land of mystery where dreams become reality always listening to stories from the past the present and the future this is back to your story Yeah, it's been really cool though. Um, with with the three camera setup and bringing this yeah. guy on, he's uh, he's helped out so much. It's like like with, especially like with your work, yeah. You know, like when something fits, it fits, and there's uh, nothing that can can beat that. Totally. Um, I mean, and I think finding the right people, yes, is critical because we have a couple of people, you know, in our marketing um, that are just amazing. So. Jack, for example, yeah. is somebody that I'm like, I don't want to say his name too often because I don't want him to be poached. <laughs> yes. But he is. <laughs> I get that. I get that. I get that. <laughs> He's so incredible at not only managing, but also, you know, helping people to feel comfortable that haven't spoken in front of a camera before. Yes. Or, you know, you know, it's like you, you trip up. You're not going to say it perfectly the first time. And no. so. You know, like I famously have a video where it's like all outtakes of me saying the word fuck. <laughs> so I love that. Like, I love you know, it's just, you know, all the different ways you can say it. Right? Yes, 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 and yes. Sometimes there's just no better word than that to describe uh, no. the moment. Of course. <laughs> so, but yeah, so somebody like Jack, he's so good at that. He's so good at like figuring out the angles, getting the shot, um, and then editing it all. And That's so we so have key. a team of people who are videographers yeah. and then they edit it as well. But he's like the leader of the group yes. because he can kind of see what needs to be done and help guide them. And, you know, it's when you have those people and he, he, he just kind of like progressed into that role. Like, you know how some people, yes. they just it, organically, do. they just have that leadership quality of that course. comes out, but it's like a quiet leadership. Uh -huh. It's not a loud and obnoxious leadership it's just kind of that it's you know. it's by far the best way yeah, yeah for, for sure um you know having someone like that on your team uh it, it can transform so many things and him doing it uh in such an organic way uh it, it just it it helps any company that has you know leaders like that yeah. um yeah because I, I i don't know i'm not a big believer in you know, micromanaging, no. um, that for, for, for someone like me and most people, that's just not the way, uh, you know, we roll. And so to be able to, you know, have someone do their job and not have someone breathe down their neck, but still, uh, lead and control whatever they're trying to do, yeah. it, you're going to get such a better outcome in the long run. Totally agree. And I'll add to that, that most of the times when you put people in positions that they never had that background ever yeah. and it's kind of like that's the story of Pulp Riot it's yeah. the idea of pirates and mermaids <laughs> doing things that they've never done before and how amazing when when your mind is freed you don't have those ceilings yes. you don't have the preconceived notions you don't have the backstory of like oh one time I had a company that tried to do this it's like you don't have that you're coming into it with like yeah we could totally do that let's yeah. do that yes. and and people who are more about, you know, creating the process, but then also figuring out the ways to do it. I mean, that the weird ways of problem solving yeah. and how you're able to come to that is like one of the most amazing things. And so to have people 
I can't stand it when people come to me with like, I have, you know, this problem and then they just like throw it on your lap and you're like, no, come to me with like, okay, we have this problem and here's a couple of ideas. What do you think of that? Of course. It's like, that's more like being proactive and rather just being like, I have a situation, I'm going to throw it on you and now it's your situation. Of course. It it just doesn't make sense, right? Um, you, you, You want people that are on your team to help find solutions, right? And so when someone does come to you with an issue, if they do just throw it on you compared to having, okay, we can take care of it this way, that way, or the other way, it makes the world of a difference. And you know, what Pulp Riot has been able to do. It just, it really blows my mind. You guys are a true unicorn, you know, like they, t- they say in tech companies. Um, but I, I feel like we are too. Oh my you know gosh. I mean? It's like, it's, you know, everything just kind of hit perfectly at the right time. Like yeah. digital, you know, digital Instagram was just taking, you know, and all these different things and, and puzzle pieces that kind of organically came into place. And even just starting with, you know, opening the salon, like that piece. And then the butterfly circus and that piece and, you know, just all, and then butterfly education that we were doing as well. And then it just all kind of pulled into that. And also going further, it just like David's experience creating a product company beforehand and the failure of that, my experience coming at it with, you know, being a hairstylist for over 25 years and just all those things coming together. I mean, it just, it, it really was, the perfect convergence. And I don't know if we would have planned it if it could have actually come to fruition. Oh know? my gosh. Yeah. Um, because if, if somebody would have said to me when we opened butterfly loft or when we started butterfly circus or whatever it was, if somebody would have said, Oh, you're going to create this, you know, product line and it's, you know, going to be the fastest growing color line in the history of the beauty industry. I would have told you you were a liar. Because, yeah, of course. I mean, come know? on, come on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, Truly, truly amazing. Um, you know, what? one thing that I've always wanted to know is like more about you. Like what is your story? You know, you have a story. Where did you come from? Like where did you even grow up? <laughs> well, I mean, I can give you a reader's digest. Let, let's or... <laughs> do it. Let's, let's break into it. We'll go bit by bit. Yeah. Um, basically, I, I was born in Hollywood, California. Okay. Um, my father was um, at UCLA. And my, and then had a job opportunity to go to Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara. Nice. And so when I was six months old, my family moved to Santa Barbara and that's pretty much where I grew up. I would say like, if somebody were asking me where'd you grow up, I would say Santa Barbara. Nice. Um, and when you say Santa Barbara, it always has this connotation of like, oh, it's like fancy, beachy, rich, like. For you know, sure. Like I also think party's cool. I don't know. Definitely. I, yeah, like, Isla Vista. You, like Isla Vista for sure with UCSB for yeah, sure. But I understand. Freebirds, burritos. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's so, so good. So good. Um, the graduate yes. was like a hangout of ours. Anyway, so, uh, so yeah, it always kind of has this connotation of like being this like so beautiful place and it really is a beautiful place, but I like for lack of a better description, I grew up in the poor area of Santa Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. You know, a family of seven kids. I'm one of seven kids. I'm yeah. number wow. five of seven. <laughs> so there's three girls and four boys, and I'm like the middle girl. Yeah. Um, it almost was like three separate families because of the age groups. So it was like the first three, and then the next three, and then, you know what I mean? Or like the next two, and then the next yeah. two. So, um, so I was you know, kind of that middle child. And so typical middle child fashion, you know, I get hand-me-downs, I have to share a room. (laughs) 
then I get my own room, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, it's kind of, you know, you get, I get teased by my older siblings. I know what that's like. I'm a middle and, child, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, I get so it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So middle child is sometimes you can kind of fly under the radar because you are a middle child. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then, you know, a lot of really great things came out of that. Number one is, um, that I became independent from a very young age. Yes. Um, because, you know, knowing your own background, yes. it's like yes. you, you either, like, if you don't stand up for yourself, nobody else is nope. going to. And if you don't do your laundry, no one else is going to yep, do it for you. That is so true. If you don't, you know, take it uh, as part of your responsibility to do your homework, your parents are not going to be pushing you to do it. No. They are busy with so many other things. And so, um, you know, it's so I, I, am grateful for that because it did teach me independence from such a young age. It's so important. Yeah. You know, I never really sat back and, and thought about it, but when they say middle child syndrome, it, it it's so true. It's like every single person that I speak with, it's the same thing. And the independence and the things that you learn um, through those early, early years in your life is so pivotal to what it's going to be like in years to come. Um, Growing, growing up, uh, you know, with seven siblings, what was that like? Because there was three of us, but... You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I didn't know any different. Yeah. So for me, it was normal. You know, I had friends who, you know, were only children or had one sibling or, you know, had an estranged sibling that was quite older and they didn't really know them very well. Um and I enjoyed hanging out with those friends because their houses were a lot quieter than mine. <laughs> it's so true, right? <laughs> but uh, because I didn't know any different, it just, it is what it was. Yeah, um, I get and, that. And that was the experience that I had. And so there's going to be positive and negatives from it. Positives are, there's always something happening at the house. Yeah. There's always people over at the house. Um, you know, some negatives would be, there's always people over at the house. Yeah. <laughs> and there's always something happening at the house. So it, both sides. you know, it's both sides. Um, I grew up in a very musical family. Okay. My mother is a professional opera singer, wow. um, a retired one. Um, so, you know, it was co- constantly like at, my friends would say that my house was like a musical because wow. at any moment somebody would break out in a song, you know? Wow. Seriously? And, yeah. Do you sing? I don't sing well. Okay. Okay. Respect. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I sing in the shower. Yes. I sing in the car. Yes. I sing, you know, but I, I am not a singer. That's something that I, I wish that I could have been better at. Um, yeah, but you got other things. But, so yeah. it's, it's definitely fine. Uh, you came from a creative family. A creative family, musical, definitely musical. Yeah. Uh, creative language was big. Uh, wow. my, my father was born in um, Argentina. Okay. He's American, but he was born in Argentina, also lived in Brazil. So growing up in my house, it was always full of language, music, and creativity in that way. Um, that was always very important. My parents really wanted all their kids to play a musical instrument, and so I played the harp, wow. um, and then I also played the piano. Um, and those are things that I didn't didn't carry throughout my life, mm-hmm. but... Um, you know, if I put my hands down, you can, uh, I could probably figure out something. That's so cool. Do you, do you ever do that? <laughs> I don't, um, right. I don't come across a harp very often. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. I get, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that was the thing, you know, so many times, you know, 
people would choose instruments because they were easier to travel with, yeah. like a flute, a violin, a guitar, yes, um, a harp. Not, really yeah, not so much. <laughs> One of these days when trade shows come back, I'm going to show up yeah. with a harp and you're going to play it. <laughs> there you go. Wouldn't that be a scene? That would definitely, <laughs> that'd be so cool. I'll play like the Pulp Rise yes, to it, right? Yes, please do. <laughs> we'll, get, we'll definitely do that. Um, so, you know, growing up, a lot of, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, what was it like, you know, for you in high school? Was it like, was there ever hair? Like, was there, did you paint? Did you draw? Like, what was your thing? Yeah. High school for me was, um, you know, I think so many people can relate to feeling a little bit misfit, a little bit out of place. Um, yes. and, uh, you know, I did find my group, um, and I was creative, you know, taking language classes, drawing art, like that kind of thing. Um, and actually in high school, even though, you know, um, I wasn't a trained hairstylist, I would do my friend's hair. We would, nice. I would do their hair for dances. We'd do each other's hair. Um, I, I would cut my friend's hair. Wow. So odd. Wow. I, I remember this one time, my girlfriend, Gina, she broke up with her boyfriend and she was so upset with him. She decided to cut her ponytail off. No way. And she cut it off. And then she calls me in a panic was like, Oh my God, I just cut my ponytail off. Like, you have to come over and fix it. So <laughs> I went over to her house and I fixed it. Really? I mean, was it better? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah but still, <laughs> she trusted you for some reason. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. So I think, I think it. I just kind of felt like um, nobody told me I couldn't do it. Okay. Therefore, I could just do it. That's so important. What you just said, no one told me that I couldn't do it, so I, I did it, right? Um, there are a lot of people growing up in life where people say you can't do it, right? And a lot of times they don't do it. Yes, we do have outliers, right? And we hear those stories from time to time. But it, you, it seems like you grew up in a household that didn't tell you you couldn't do things. Well, there's definitely rules. I don't want to say yeah, that it yeah, was yeah. just kind of like a house full Free of- Free for all. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we definitely had a lot of freedoms. And I think that that era that I grew up in had more freedoms than than today. Yes. Um, but, you know, you know, for us, it was like we we're out all day and we had to be home by dinner time. Yep. My I mom had no idea where we were. We mm -hmm. were just out. No cell phone, nothing. Exactly. Nothing. So, you know, so in that sense, you know, there were some more freedoms than there are today. Yeah. Um, so there was structure, but it wasn't so much that, um, you know, you can't do this. It was just kind of like, there's so much going on. So nobody told me that you shouldn't be doing that. Yes. Like in yep. that, in that you shouldn't have that capability. Yep. I, I will say that my mom did go, she started beauty school right before she met my dad oh, wow. and she never finished, but she would, I used to see her cut my dad's hair and I used to see her cut wow. my brother's hair. And so I think because I saw her yeah. do that, um, and it wasn't great. I'm going to be honest. Like it, it really wasn't great. I have a picture of me in third grade where I have bangs that are literally like a step. Um, I love that. Because she would cut my bangs. Yes. And so I think because I saw her do that, I felt like I could do that. Yeah. And because nobody told me that I shouldn't be able to do that at such a young age, I never felt that. You're, like, why not? Yeah, like, definitely. Yeah. You're like a sponge, you know, as a kid, you're, you're just, uh, you're, you're a sponge soaking up things. So seeing your mom, you know, cut your dad's hair, uh, and then them telling that you couldn't, you know, it's, it's important to your story and who you are and, you know, where, where you've become or what you've become. I think though, you know, 
the biggest thing for me was I had older brothers and I had a, an older brother who had a, a girlfriend named Karen. Okay. And when I was in, in junior high, um, Karen went to beauty school and I just thought that she was the coolest. Okay. I wanted to be like her. She looked cute. She, you know, was doing people's hair. She loved what she did. She always had money and she just looked like she enjoyed what she did. And so I kind of, she was the one that I felt like I really wanted to be like her. And she kind of took me under her wing in a sense that she said, you know, Alexis, you're really creative. You should do hair. You, you could do this. I could see you doing this. I think that you could, you know, go to college and you could do hair and you could have a family and, and this would be a really great career path for you. So I give a lot of credit to Karen for actually instilling that in me because, um, you know, my, my, my father is a professor. Education is big for him. You know, he has his doctorate and, so for him, it was very much like everybody in the family needs to go to college. You need to get your master's. You need to have, you know, like that is super get, important. Yeah. Um, and so when it came, came time for me to go to college, like after graduating high school, my parents were like, you know, you need to go to college. And I was like, I don't really want to go to college. I want to go to hair school. Wow. I want to go to cosmetology school. And they were like, okay, well, you can do that after you go to college. Oh, okay. So the deal was go to college first, we'll pay for that, and then we'll pay for your beauty school. Um, and so I went to college one year, and I dropped out. <laughs> and I was like, this is not for me. This is not my passion. I'm not like into this. Yeah. And my parents were like, okay, that's fine, but you're not holding up your end of the bargain, so we're not going to hold up ours, and we're not going to pay for beauty school. And I said, oh. that's fine. I'll figure out a way and do it myself. And that's exactly what I did. What did you do? What, what I, happened? I took out a student loan. Yes. All right. There you go. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. That- yeah. Definitely, definitely. Uh, that's where your sense of independence comes in. You know, you just grabbed it and you did it, right? Yeah. How old were you at that time? So, um, let's see, I graduated high school 18, so I was 19. Okay. You know, before we started the podcast, before I go down that rabbit hole, um, you were talking about you, when you were younger, you went abroad. I did. Yeah. What yes. is that story? Because we didn't dive deep into it. Yes. Well, what is that? Um, so, in high school. Okay. My junior and senior year of high school, my dad's job took us down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And wow. so, you know, so at that time I was the oldest because the others had um, left the house. Yeah. And so it was myself and my two younger siblings and, and my mom and dad. And we moved down to Sao Paulo, Brazil. And um, I went to an American private school there. Um, it was like a K through 12. Okay. And that was one of the most incredible experiences. And I, because number one, uh, you know, growing up in a house where language was everywhere, it was always Spanish and Portuguese, like people coming into my house. Cause that's what my dad taught and that's, that's what so he cool. spoke. And my mom spoke Portuguese as well. And so I always was around language and, you know, was always taught to treat people with respect. And even if yeah. you didn't understand their language or where they came from, you know, you, you treat them with respect. And the best way to really understand is when you are now put in that situation and you're the outsider, you don't speak that language. And, and so now you're going into it. And so it was really great to have that eye opening experience because it, number one, it gave me the, um, the love for travel, the love for other cultures, um, the open mindedness of experiencing 
situations that are new and different and maybe somewhat scary in a sense because it's so foreign and unknown. Mm -hmm. Um, And living in Brazil, I was able to travel all over South America. I went to Bolivia, Uruguay, Paraguay, Argentina, you know, Peru, like all these different places. And at such a young age, and um, I remember being 16 years old and flying back to Santa Barbara to visit my friends over the summer I did that whole trip on my own at 16, yes, flying yep. from like another country and having to do layovers in other countries mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's like, you know, my daughters are 12 and 17 mm-hmm. and I can't imagine them. No, doing that. no, not at all. Not <laughs> at like, all. You know? And so again, it's that independence and that kind of just, I'm going to do this. Yeah, I'll be fine. No problem. This no fear naivety. No, of course. That is in some ways so healthy yeah. because it doesn't, allow you to have those, you know, restrictions or, um, I don't know, the fear that naivety is so good for not having the fear. I mean, that risk and all those things. And these are all themes throughout my whole life. I love that independence and, and risk taking and so forth. So, so yeah, I lived in Brazil, fantastic experience when I graduated high school, moved back to the States. And then that's when, that's um, when I went to, to college for one year and dropped out. (laughs) (laughs) I have to say, um, what, what you just said about when you were 16 years old and you flying back, how important that was. Cause when I was 17, um, for four, three months, I uh, moved to the East end of London and Mm -hmm. stayed with my friend's family all my own, flew there myself, traveled all over, came back myself. And it was, you know, just for me looking back at my life, it was such a pivotal moment, you know, that, that independence uh, to be able to go, I can do this. I can do. I'm sure at the time you didn't think it was such a big deal. Heck no, no, no. That's that's the thing. It's like, you don't think it's a big deal. Therefore it's not a big deal. But then you know, you look back and you go, wow, like that really was a big deal. Yes. Well, you have a 12 year old and a 17 year old and you're like, I don't know about that. Right. And yeah. so I, uh, I, I, I totally, totally get that. Do you think that's because, um, you're a mom now or is it because times have changed? I think it's a little bit of both respect. I think, um, you know, I tell my daughters all the time. And if you ask them this, they would tell you, <laughs> I tell them that my number one job is to make you independent. Um, totally, uh, you know, community people, like it's kind of like my job is to help you become independent and strong, you know, people who communicate and are able to travel and like contribute to society. Yes. I mean, that's my job. And so the whole time with them growing up, I've pushed them into situations to help them become independent because I think so many times, you know, parents coddle their kids a little too much. hundred percent. And, Um, you know, I, we used to see it all the time. Like we would, you know, walk our kids to school and then stop at the gate and they would just walk the rest of the way to the classroom. And so many other parents are like, I'm going to walk you to the classroom and I'm going to stand here and be like, you know, yes, you know, and and so it doesn't help. No. And, and probably when you were a kid too. I would walk to school all the time. I I rode two miles every single day, (laughs) every single day at six years old. I would walk. I, 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 um, 
did Google Maps, right? And it was 0.3 of a mile. I was like six or seven years old. When I was 11, I would ride my bike 1.7 miles to school and back. Um, you don't see that today. No, you don't. So respect for you yeah. doing that. Even so, that little bit, it's so important. Yeah, it's little things like that. It's little things also where, you know, we have somebody that comes and cleans our house like so many people do. Yeah. They don't touch my kids' rooms. My kids' rooms, they have to clean the bathroom. They have to clean. They do their own laundry. Yes. They have to be in charge of that. And so I tell them, they're like, oh, you know, it, they understand it now because I tell them like, look, you're going to live on your own. You might live with someone else. You might have a roommate. You might have a spouse, something. You will be the worst roommate ever <laughs> if you don't learn how to clean yes. and how to do your own laundry and clean up after yourself. I mean, it's this so is, important. These are life lessons. They are. That's <laughs> so cool of you for doing that. And I, I would hope that people listening to this, um, uh, you know, really understand and, and do that for their own kids if they're not already. You know, your 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 job as a mother is to shape and mold and help them and, you know, create independence and um, you know, even if you have your house clean, to have them clean their own rooms, do their own laundry for the rest of their life, when they get older, they're gonna look back and be like, Wow, that was so smart of my mom. That was so freaking they smart. They definitely complain. Of course, they're, they're kids. <laughs> so would I. But you know, as an adult now, like I, I totally get it. Um, okay, so uh, let's let's go back to your story, right? Uh, you you come back, uh, you know, from from South America, right? Um, you drop out of school, then you get a student loan to go to cosmetology school. Yes. What was that like? Where did you even go? So I so. Right at that time when I dropped out of college, yeah. um, I ended up getting married. Okay. And I got married at age 19 mm -hmm. to somebody who I grew up with in Santa Barbara as well. Mm -hmm. And so that, we got married and then we moved down to Woodland Hills mm -hmm. and um, because he had graduated from um, uh, college for um, accounting. And then he had gotten a job with one of the big firms at that time in Woodland Hills. That's such an area for accounting firms. Uh, yes. Um, and so we moved there and I went to beauty school there. So I went to um, Newberry School of Beauty. Yeah, 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 yeah. It used to be in the Fallbrook Mall. Okay. That is no longer there. All right. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Wow. Um, so yeah, so that's where I went to beauty school. What, what was that like? Um, beauty school, I mean... Again, it's kind of one of those things where, you know, it's like you, you don't really know any different. And yeah. so I didn't really, the only different that I knew was college and going to college one year. Um, so I, I loved it. I had a great time in, in cosmetology school. I was definitely one of those like go-getters. And mm -hmm. so I powered through it. So I did the 10 month, like put just in my boom. hours, just like power through it. Right. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to get in and get out and start doing hair. And so I powered through it, had some, you know, great experiences with that and some, some great teachers and then, uh, took an assistant, uh, assistant, uh, job at Alan Edwards salon. No way. I worked at see the salon. I was an assistant with, uh, you know, Claudio and, yeah. and, and, and Alan's son. Um, you know, it was Alan Edwards and then changed yes. to see, right. Uh, yeah. that's so crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Wow. Wow. That's nuts. Uh, going through that experience, how long were you assistant for? I was an assistant for about 10 months. Okay. Because again, I am- You like powered through yes. that. Yeah. Wow. And I worked with a couple different people, which mm -hmm. I think was really fantastic. And the reason why is because 
working with a couple of different people, you get to learn different ways of doing things. And I worked with some very seasoned stylists that yeah. have been stylists for many years, had a huge clientele that they had built very respectively. And I had also worked with very young stylists. So for example, um, I don't know if you know Aubrey Berry, um, mm-hmm. but she, you know, she is actually a stylist at my salon now, Butterfly Loft, and she was my mentor for a short time before I actually like graduated and was able to to get a chair at the salon. And so it's, it's a very cool feeling and it's very cool to now have somebody that, you know, was my mentor is now a stylist in in our salon. Yeah. It's part of the history, man. It's part of your history. Oh, that's, that's amazing. But yeah, I remember, you know, that whole process and going through it, you know, it was like, we'd have a class and, I was the one who was like, I'm going to bring two models or I'm going to bring a live model. You want a mannequin? I'm going to do this, whatever. And so that was just my thing. And, and I would constantly push, you know, the owner, Paul, to give me a chair. And so finally one day he's like, all right, you can have that chair over there. And it was just very like, really? This whole time I've been pushing you for this and it's kind of like, here you go. Yeah, it's just like, like, go in the corner, there you go. So like yeah. anticlimactic. Yes, and yeah. so, um, you know, and I just kind of felt like, okay, this is something that I'd worked so hard for. And now it's like a momentous thing. So it's something that I turned consciously at Butterfly Loft into something bigger. So for example, at Butterfly Loft, when somebody goes through an assistant program and they graduate, we make it very special. We yes. take them out to dinner, their mentor or mentors, and, and have like a small group of about six people. We go out to dinner. We go to the same restaurant every time. We go to Pache okay. in Studio City. It's I like love that. such a such a cool, like unique little place. And we give them a box, and <laughs> inside is a key to the salon with their name on it. Look at you! And it's like you know, it's a time to celebrate and it to is. not only celebrate this person who has you know gone through the program and is now being given a chair at the salon, but it's to celebrate the mentors. Yeah, because. Without them, it's like without them giving so much of themselves, without them, you know, helping to nurture and and so forth, it's like that person wouldn't be there. And no. so it's it's paying homage and respect to the the mentors because I think so many times they do get forgotten or yes. they don't get the credit that they deserve. Yeah. And so, you know, when we do that, it's really special. And, you know, so every person who has gone through that program at our salon can say that they had that dinner. They can say that they remember it. They can say that about the key, you know, just the it's whole huge. process of it. Oh it's, it's such a big deal. And so, you know, and because it wasn't a big deal, yeah. I wanted that big deal. I've created it for other people. <laughs> that is, this is what makes you so different than the rest, right? It's like, you know, you could have taken that situation in your life and it's just like, blah, it is what it is, right? But there's something about it that, affected you enough by the time that you became, you know, a salon owner, you're like, I'm going to do this differently. And that's really amazing because it is, it's a huge moment in a stylist, um, you know, career, you know, to be able to go through school, to be able to go through the assistant program and then to finally have their own chair. It's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. I mean, you know, so many times people think of like stylists get this bad rap. Oh, you're just a hairstylist. It's kind yeah. of like you just play with hair all day. It's not a real career. I know that was certainly for me. My dad and my parents kept telling me, when are you going to go back to school? This whole time as I'm ah. like on this pathway to yeah. becoming a stylist and becoming successful and constantly. And it wasn't until I started mentoring people and having assistance of my own that my parents finally realized, oh, okay. Like 
you actually, you do have a career and you are doing things. And, and again, it was, you know, such a big deal for me to be able to, at that age of 19, never have to ask my parents for money. Never. It's like that loan, I paid it off. Yes. You know what I mean? Like just being so independent and then having other siblings you know, go down these career paths where they did go to, did, did go to college and do these amazing things, but can't say that they were completely independent at age 19 like I was. Yeah financially at least. And so for me, that's a huge sense of pride to be able to it say be. that I came from that and not once have I ever had to ask my parents for money no. because I just was like, I'm just going to grind and I'm going to do this. And so I wanted to be able to, you know, it's kind of like maybe subconsciously creating this small dinner event. It's kind of like your graduation of college in a yes. sense where it's like, you've gone through this whole thing and being a, a, a hairstylist is a big deal. This is, is your career path. This is your moment. This is, you know, a special thing. And let's honor that. And we're going to make it special rather than it just be something flippant and people don't really take seriously. Like just creating it, it, that. Special no, no, no. Thing. I, I yeah. totally get it. And that's why, uh, you know, people go to you guys. That's why people, that's why you've been able to create what you have. Um, because, you know, a lot of times the little things are forgotten. They're missed, right? But the little things are so freaking important. I told my wife, I'm like, you don't have to buy me anything. Don't buy me shit, right? But it's it's like little like uh, bits of appreciation that make the world of a difference. I'm like, I, I told her, I'm like, I'm like a dog. You pat me, like you you try to give me a treat, um, like, uh, but pat me on the back and pet me. Like that's what I want, right? And but that's what people in general want, right? It's that little bit, and so you appreciating um, that individual. For for completing this, you know, momentous task, right? To, like you said, like graduating college, it's, it's huge. And it makes them appreciate you guys even more, make them validation. mm, It is. At the end of the day, it's like human connection. It's like, what do you want? You want to be seen. You want to be heard. You want to be validated. Yeah. And I think really that's what it comes down to. That is, that is. Okay. So let's, uh, let's bring it back to your story, right? Um, so, you know, Alan Edwards, uh, you, you talked a little bit about the marriage. Um, what, what came next? I mean, like, what was that next chapter? Yeah. I mean, I worked at Alan Edwards for 13 years Okay, and, you know, building a fantastic clientele, of my own, um, mentoring other stylists and assistants along the way. Um, towards the end of those 13 years, I was feeling a little, you know, like I want to do something else, but I'm not sure what. And so what I did was I started working, um, two days a week at John of Italy salon in Westlake village. And so that way it felt like, okay, I'm doing something different. I'm doing the same thing, but I'm kind of doing something different. I get it. I get it. So I did that for about two years. And during that time, um, David, I've known David for, I don't know, maybe 25 wow. years or more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so David would come to me on occasion and get haircuts. All right. And so he came to me one of those times and said, Hey, I have an idea. I want to talk to you about something. So I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he said, you know, I, I want to open a salon in the Encino area and I want you to be my business partner. I think it would be a perfect fit. What? So I was like, Hell yeah. You're like, yes, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It. It's this like, is, this is the difference, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so it was just very much like, yeah, that's what I want to do. And so that's <sighs> what the, you know, the next year was, was figuring out where and how and building and all that kind of stuff. 
before finally opening Butterfly Loft. Had you guys even at that point been together? Like you no, were friends? No, we or? were friends. And okay. the thing is, is um, I've known David for, you know, 25 years or more. And uh, the way we met was through my ex-husband. Okay. And, um, you know, and so it's, <laughs> it's kind of, you I know, get it. I, it's fine. It, it's kind of one of those things where you can tell the story in one yeah. of two ways. It could be a beautiful love story yeah. or it could be, you know, like, oh, a marriage ended and then another one began. I look at it as a beautiful love story. As it should be, because that's yeah, what it is. It and the is. thing is, is, you know, and I'm not afraid to talk about it because I own it. I and, love that. And it's nothing to be like ashamed of because yes. honestly, the truth is, is that we were friends and it was, you know, you know, like when you kind of meet people and you just have a great connection, of course you chat with them, maybe you go out to dinner or coffee yeah. and it's like conversations are great. You're talking about so many different things. You're maybe you're ordering the same foods. You're like, Oh, I love that too. Oh, I've been to that country too, or whatever yes, it is. Like yeah. there's just like, like ding, a, check, check, check. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't, and it's like, who cares? You know, if you're attracted to them, they're not. It's not that. It's more of that connection of just a human being. It's human connection. I get that. And that's what we always had. And so it was just kind of this, like, we enjoyed being around each other. Yeah. And um, so, you know, it's not like he and my ex-husband were best friends. They weren't. Um, they were friendly. And yeah. so because of that, we would get together maybe once or twice a year, yeah. go out to dinner. Yeah. That's about it. That's it. Yeah. And, um, and then when he moved down to LA, I would cut his hair. Um, but then he started managing salons in Orange County and naturally he started getting his hair cut there. So I didn't see him for a portion of time yeah. because of that. Um, and then he started coming back to me when he was like, Hey, I want to open the salon, like kind of a thing. And it was perfect timing too, because, wow. um, you know, again, as I said, I was looking for something different. Yeah. By that time I had had two young kids um, and I think Finley was about two years old. Yeah. About two years old. Wow. She's my youngest. And, um, and you know, at that point as well, like for a while, my marriage wasn't great. Yeah. It just wasn't. And it happens. It happens. Yeah. And, um, and so it just kind of felt like this is a really great distraction. This is something new yeah. being able to open a salon. This is something that I feel like I've always wanted to do, but I didn't really have the gumption to do it yeah. on my own. So you were born for, my gosh. And so <laughs> so thing. we opened the salon and um, it was amazing because, you know, everybody was like, hey, you guys look like you're a couple. And we're like, we're not a couple. We just <laughs> really get along well. Yeah, yeah. And also I think because, you know, we had very clearly defined roles when we opened that it was um, easier when our relationship blossomed into a romantic relationship yeah. because it wasn't like, you know, a relationship first and then you open a business together. Yeah, no, and that usually doesn't work. Yeah. So it's a friendship first, yeah. open a business, then become a relationship. And so, I love that. um, so yeah, I mean, my marriage was ending and that was pretty obvious. And so it was really fantastic. One day when David said to me, Hey, it's like, okay, we opened butterfly law we're having success. He's like, I was thinking that maybe we should think about opening a second salon. And I oh, wow. just was like, I can't. <laughs> My marriage is ending. Yeah. Like, I'm so stressed out right now, blah, blah, blah. And he just was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're keeping it all in. Yeah, keeping it all in. Yeah, and that's, so that's never good. No. And, you know, anyway, so I, yeah, it was like at that point, you know, marriage ending. And then David was like, oh, okay, actually, I kind of like you. Ah. And we do have a connection. And now that 
things look like that's ending, yeah. that there could be a possibility. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the possibility. So organic. Exactly. My gosh. And so that's why, like, I don't feel ashamed. You shouldn't. It happened because <laughs> it was honestly, had it not happened, I can truthfully say that the success and everything that we've happened since that point, yeah. we would not have had without each other because I feel like we're a fiercer team. Dynamic duo. My like, gosh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm 110%. And, um, Anyone that thinks differently, they're just, they're just hating. And it, because what you just shared, um, you know, the bits and pieces of it is very organic and, yeah. and, and the way it happened. And I know a lot of couples that, you know, that, that are married, that they could never work together. Oh my God. But I would just, never no, have been able to work with No, no. no but yeah. the way it happened, you yeah. know, for, for me, my wife and I, we were friends for, you know, two, three years before we even started dating. Best friends, actually. And that's what has allowed us to be together for so freaking long. Yeah. Um, so when you create a friendship, right, and you went all through, through all these steps, it's has allowed this long-term and this, this exponential growth. Absolutely. And I think the key too, is that we were so careful. It was such a cerebral process. Like yeah. people think like, Oh, you have the salon. You're probably making out there all the time. No, no. we were freaked out. <laughs> we never touched each other for the longest yeah, time. Because like, business. Yeah. Because again, yeah, it's like, it. you know, the owners getting together, like we had so much to lose. We yes. just opened this business. And yeah. what if it didn't work out? Yeah. And what if like we started, start dating each other and then we're like nah and then we have to see each other every day like it was such a cerebral process wow. and all these people and so it was like we literally had to talk to people one-on-one -on -one and we were like this is what's happening are you okay with this and the funny thing is brock is like everyone was like well duh you guys look like you should be together like it's no big deal go yes. be together this yeah. is so right and I that was that. the response that we got from everyone and so it was just you know yes yes we, we did we were so mindful and it's not sexy to say that it was cerebral, but that's exactly. No, it's, it's more than sexy. <laughs> it's, 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 it's so beautiful. What, what everything that you have shared is just truly amazing. And this is what creates long lasting relationships, especially in a day and age when so many people get married and divorced, mm -hmm. right. To be able to have something just you know, grow so organically and, and just be so mindful of all the steps. And then when it finally gets there, it's like, well, yeah, duh. <laughs> you know, it just, it just would make sense. Yeah. I mean, I think that's why we decided because both of us had been married before yeah. when we did get married, we wanted to be a small and intimate thing. Yeah. And so we ended up getting married at Butterfly Loft. Oh, really? Really? Okay. Okay. With our daughters, we I actually, it was a surprise wedding. We told people that it was just a dinner party. Mm-hmm. Um, it was close to Christmas time. So we're like, Hey, we're just going to do like this little dinner party at the salon, please come. And the way we threw everybody off the scent or so we thought yeah. is we said that you had to come with and share a talent. So it could be, you know, if you can sing, sing a song, if yeah. you, you know, uh, can like read a poem, read a poem. If yeah. it's a story, tell a story. If it's whatever it is, yeah. like just something. And so that way people would come with something rather than trying to think that this was something else. Yeah. And so we had, you know, we had hired two Spanish guitarists. We uh, set the whole place up in candles. Their daughters helped us do that. And they, the girls greeted everybody at the door and said, surprise, this is a wedding. Here's no way. And it was just a small group of 18 people. And I it was absolutely perfect. It yes. was beautiful and yes. small and intimate. And, um, you know, some like, 
a few of my friends that were there said that this was the best wedding they've ever been to. So That's so cool. It just was fun. And it was the perfect way to celebrate it because it was organic. And that's kind of where our relationship happened. And because, you know, and so that space is very special to us. And so that's why gosh, we felt yeah. like, all right, let's get married there. And that was like the <laughs> Mecca for you guys. That is like your place. And that, ah, that's so cool. That is so beautiful. Um, so, <sighs> You guys go through, you guys, you guys have, <laughs> let me, let me ask you, how long have you guys been together now? So let's see, we got married December 9th of 2012. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years. Yeah. Wow, nice. Um, so after things calm down, right, he comes to you, asks you for, uh, you know, let's open up a second place, you know, things calm down eventually from that, figure everything out. Um, what was the next step? Like what happened next? Well, <clears throat> really, you know, when, when we opened the salon, because I was coming from two different salons and, and a salon down the road, really, we were super mindful, and I was especially, that I didn't want anybody, I didn't want to be poached. I didn't want to be talking about it. I was extremely respectful. I wanted to make sure that I left on the best terms possible. And so I never would talk about opening a salon while I was at work. Um, and, and when people would approach me, I would say, you know, we can talk about this another time or text me or call me or something, but I'm not going to talk about it in someone else's business, how I'm opening another business. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. And so, and I never wanted it to be like poaching. So I never asked any stylist, like, please come work for me. I just wanted, wanted it to be totally organic. And just like, if they found out I was doing it fine, if they were interested, they would come and contact me. If they wanted to see it, they would come and see it. Like, it was just like that. And and that's exactly what happened. So yeah. people started coming in and, you know, it was pretty um, outlandish for us to build such a big space, so many chairs, yeah. and we filled it very quickly. We, you know, most businesses, when you open, it's like, you're not going to have any kind of a profit after one to two years is when you're really going to have yes. that profit. At the beginning, you shouldn't. For the first month was the only month that we didn't have a profit. And oh. ever since then we have. And it's like one of those things where just like, it doesn't make sense. Unicorn. It shouldn't make sense. But I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, integrity and the way that you do things. And, and so many times, you know, you're going to have haters everywhere. Of course you're always, it's just part of it. Like just the law of attraction and the law of like for everything good has to have an opposite. Of course. So it's just always going to be there. And so I just have always felt that, you know, you just, you always do the right thing you in and you put your best intentions and and that in the end if there's only going to be any haters it's like it's like it is what it is it is and it's like as long as you know within your heart that you're doing things the right way that's all that matters no and that's all that should matter you know uh, people that hate for no reason screw them you know just l- l- let them be you know and uh, you know, for, for you, it's just like everything that you have shared up to this point, it's like so organic and you've been so smart about it. It's, uh, it's truly amazing. How much did before, you know, Pulp Riot, right? Um, how much did social media play into all of this? Well, this is a great question. Social media really didn't come onto the scene until about a year after we opened Barfly Loft. Okay. Okay. So we, you know, cruising along, opening Butterfly Loft. And right at the beginning, we always wanted it to be a place for education. And so every month we would have educational classes and we were always just kind of doing it in-house and we would invite people from the LA area. 
stylists. And when we did that, a lot of stylists were like, hey, do you have an open chair? Let's talk about this. I would really love to be here. And so that's another way that we organically grew. Yeah. But with social media about a year later is when, you know, not only were we just, you know, microcosm, you know, with just LA, it then became global, like the whole (laughs) world. And it was just this kind of like, you know, little tiny thing to this giant thing. So it, again, an organic thing. And, um, you know, part of that is, you know, we're going down this path and we're doing everything fantastic. We're doing everything right. But again, some people just weren't satisfied. And so we had nine people get up and leave the salon to go to the salon suites that were opening (laughs) down the road. Yep. And, you know, we were upset over it because we're like, oh my gosh, we're doing everything right. We're doing these education classes. We're doing this. And, um, and we're like, what is it? And so then we decided, you know what, we're going to expand and build our own salon suites. (laughs) And so So even even though it's like a moment of feeling like defeat, we kind of flipped it and we're like, nope, we're going to use this as fuel and we're going to build it and we're going to build it better and we're going to build it faster. Wow. And we did. And as soon as we built those, it was, we built seven of them and, um, you know, we had people come over and one of them was Larissa Love. Yeah. And, you know, she, to her credit, she really helped us see the power of social media. Yes. And that was a gift. That's huge. And because of that, you know, it just got bigger and bigger. And so we, we had the salon and we expanded it after a year. A year later, we expanded again to the bungalows. And a year later, we expanded again. So overall, we had about 10,000 square feet. Holy shit. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> and 70 Who stylists. Who does that? That's, oh my gosh. How many stylists started out in the beginning? Um, 26. <laughs> first off, you started out with 26 stylists. Yeah. That, that was your- And 26 f- is a giant That's slot. huge. That's your first. That was your first- I like, know. Th- it's ridiculous. Wow. But again, so it's cool. just kind of this idea yeah. of, you know, let's use the fuel and create and go bigger and, and, and just seeing the, how, you know, how salon suites kind of took off and, yeah. and really what is it that's so appealing? There's so many different things that are appealing about it. And we, we knew that this is not going away. And so no. let's figure out a way to adapt. Yeah. And, and so we did. It's, it's so, it's so important. Um, you know, so many people can get just really stuck and uh, they don't want to change. They have a business. They, you know, they, they're just not up for, for change. Right. And they're just kind of like this, but you guys, it's just like, doot, 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 and just can continue to just branch out, branch out, branch out, branch out. Um, and just kind of following the path organically. So it was, yeah. it was expanding, you know, uh, we started butterfly circus, which was, you know, completely innovative and taking a way of, you know, kind of how do you monetize this digital? Like, yeah. how do you, how do you do this? And, and that, and then just, you know, continually going. And, and I think, you know, it's, we talk about it all the time, the spiral staircase where it's just kind of like, you don't know where it's going yeah. and you just trust in taking those steps yeah. and those steps just kind of lead you on a path that is like, amazing. It's uh, to an extraordinary life and a career rather than staying stuck on the same step forever in for sure for fear, you yes. know? And, um, I mean, there's just so many themes 
in our lives that is like that and just taking that risk and and what is it that's holding somebody back like is it that bad relationship you know like what if I would have stayed in that bad relationship? Of course. You know, like what kind of example would I be for my kids? What yeah. kind of example would I be, you know, just so many different things. Like David and I wouldn't have been together. Would I have created all these other things? Would he have? I don't know. I, I, actually, I do know. The answer is no. no. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The answer is no, no. You know, so it's kind of just like, you know, just this whole idea of like, you know, taking your life, whatever it is, whatever is holding you back and just kind of facing it and turning it into fuel. And how do I take something that I'm, you know, afraid of or unsure of, and how do I turn that into something that I'm passionate about and I'm excited about and is actually taking me on a new journey? Yes, absolutely. You just got to do it. Yeah. You know, uh, you just have to do it. And so many people, you know, try to, they just get so caught up in, in the BS and they, 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 they think about this and that, and this and that, and this and that. And then eventually when the time comes to actually do it, it's like, they don't do it. Right. Um, but sometimes you just have to do it. Right. And then as you grow, you learn from your mistakes. It happens, but you can't get stuck. No. And that's what you guys have done so well. Yeah. It's I think, just, I mean, for you, for example, it's like, yeah. Did anybody teach you how to do a podcast? No. Did anybody teach you how to, you know, like edit and, and put something up on no. the internet or whatever? No. No, you figure it out. Yes. It's like if you want to do something, you figure it out. Yeah. Things fall into place. Then you find somebody who can help with videography. Yes. All these kinds of things. You find people who are smarter than you yep. and more capable in that area so you can turn your head off and know that it's just going to get done. Yes. It's all these things where, you know, yeah. it's just this idea of, I truly believe in it. I believe in the law of attraction. I have it tattooed on my arm. I believe in the sense that if you, you know, the more you talk about things and the more that you put it out there, things will come into place and people will come into place and opportunities will come into place because you're putting it out there. But if you're not putting it out there, how is it going to be attracted to you? No, it's not. And so it's really, you know, there's, there's like so many books I've read on it. There's so many you know, interviews I read on it. And it's like, I just believe that to my core that you have to talk about it. You don't keep it, you know, close to you. You have to talk about it. You have to do it because that's what brings those opportunities and those moments to you that you wouldn't have. No, I, I believe that wholeheartedly with everything that I do in my life. I talk about it all the time. The law of attraction is real. If you want something bad enough, you you can do it. You can, anyone can do it. Right. It's just that a lot of people just kind of get stuck in the, you know, the daily monotony of just life. I think the hardest step is taking that first step. Yep. And you know, once you take that first step, whatever it is, like, it's like, okay, you want to do a podcast. What's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to start listening to podcasts. Yep. How do they do this? Or whatever it is. It's like that, that first step. I think so many times people are just fearful of that one thing. It's like, I always tell my kids, like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Go to that place. What's the very worst thing that could happen? Go to that place, allow you to see that the worst thing that could happen really isn't that bad. No. So then it allows you to just go forward and do it. A hundred percent. Not be so afraid. No. And failure, right? For, for, for me, and I'm sure for you in your life, it's like some of my biggest failures, I have taken so much from it and, and learned and it's made me a better me. And if it wasn't for these situations in my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. I know that for a fact. There's a book I recently read called um, Born a Crime Okay. by um, 
Trevor Noah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The most fantastic book. And he writes this page and it, I screenshotted it because it is so, so spot on where he talks about that um, regret is not an answer, but failure is and how you don't want to live your life in this like no answer. Like yeah. at least if you fail, that's your answer. Yes. At least you tried. And that with regret, it's always living in the what if, why didn't I do that? Mm -hmm. What could have happened? What could have been? Yeah. And so to me, that's just so powerful. It's just the idea of like, you know, if you go forward and you fail, that's an answer. You go forward, you succeed. That's an answer. If you don't go forward. It's, you're never going to get anywhere. Exactly. You're never going to get yeah. anywhere. And it, that's just kind of how life works, you know? And it's like, I don't know. I, I look at it sometimes as like baby steps. You, you know, you, you might get a failure, right? But then the next one might be a win and the next one might be a win and the next one might be a failure, but it's just kind of like a snowball. Once you start getting enough wins and you're doing it right, it's just like you're chugging that. You're like, whoa, I can really do this. And so then you're willing to do more and more and more and more. And that's like, that's like you guys, it's like, you know, the, the, you the, the butterfly loft. I mean, and then eventually to butterfly circus and then pulp riot. Um, and then all the things in between there, it's truly amazing. Um, and I, I do want to, I want to bring it back to your story again. It's like, what happened? Like, first off for, for butterfly circus, did you guys consciously think about that? Were you like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to get these amazing educators and no, we're gonna put it out. It's one of those things again, where, you know, David's exercising one afternoon and he's allowing his mind to wander. And he's like, look, I just had this idea. What if we took all these different people who are creating things and kind of this underground of the beauty industry. And what if we took them all and put them together to do this educational event? And, you know, we put them on stage to do something for 30 minutes. Anybody can do something for 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be fantastic. It's yeah. just kind of setting them up in this stage. And then at the end, it's like everybody can come together and you see the finished look. And so it was just like, yeah, that's an awesome idea. And so for all these people, it was pretty much one of their first times ever educating. Uh, and, but again, it's kind of putting people in a position where it's okay if it's not the most amazing at this moment because you it's only 30 minutes yes. and then we move on. Of course. And also just this whole, you know, and like that was always a big joke. Like in opening it, it's like, hey, this is how it's going to go. If this person sucks for 30 minutes, okay, the next one might be fantastic. You know, it's just kind of uh, like that whole thing. It's and raw and real. Yeah, exactly. So it, it kind of, it went from there and kind of, you know, that was super organic. And then working with these people that, you know, the beauty industry didn't know anything about and, um, and being able to move fast and quick and, and figure out how to do things and sell tickets on Eventbrite and, you know, just all these things and, and creating all these things that had never been done before. Number one, nobody had ever posted at the same time ever before. No. You know, nobody had ever sold tickets to something on Eventbrite. Nobody had ever put a format where people teach classes 30 minutes, you know, and then for after the full, you get a, a whole three hour thing. Instead of listening to one person, you listen to like six different people. Yes. And be able to see that. Like these were so, so like total innovations that were never done in the beauty industry. No. And now everybody just kind of takes it for granted. It's just, it's, it is. Yeah. And it's, it's really cool to have like, to think back and go, wow, that was something that we created that yeah. had never been done before. Um, and through that, you know, it was going for about a year before we were like, you know what, 
we should, um, you know, we have this kind of digital momentum. We have a kick-ass salon here in Los Angeles that's getting a lot of attention as well for having amazing stylists and people walk in, you know, and then leave as mermaids. And so we're like, why don't we create a product company and utilize all of this and use our skills and, and background and everything to create better products, to create better packaging, to create, you know, all these things. And so that's exactly what we did. And so it was like on a Thanksgiving day that David and I were at Butterfly Loft using other products to create the colors that we wanted Wow! and just putting that all together. And again, it's this whole law of attraction. It's like, you know, we, I had never started a product company before David had, but it was styling. Yeah. And so it was like figuring out like, okay, let's find a lab. Let's find people who are smarter than this. Let's be able to talk about like, this is the tonality we want. This is the consistency we want. This is the smell we want. This is the, this is what we don't want in it. Like yeah. all these different things. And, and knowing from a stylist perspective, like viscosity is everything, yeah. you, you know, like, like fade is everything, yes. you know, like all these different things, like packaging is everything. And before all of these products were considered technical products. And so they were in the back bar, like not out forward facing for people to see. And what an innovation with that. Yes. Like every product you used to just have a sticker on it that mm-hmm. told you what the color was inside. And like, oh my gosh, just, <sighs> we use it as a canvas and yeah. it's like artistry and and treating stylists like artists, just like from the beginning of like, yeah. this is a big deal. This isn't like some, you know, random side, you know, uh, career. This is like your, like your, your passion. It's real. This, this yeah. is real. And yeah. so it's really creating that and celebrating that and creating things that, you know, the packaging, especially like people are excited about, like we have all the packaging out front facing at Butterfly Loft when you walk in. And yes, it is a professional product, but it's so beautiful and it gets people talking. It gets clients saying like, what's that? Oh, I love that color. Could I wear that color? Or, you know, it's all those things that, um, it's, it's celebrating, um, the artistry and everything. And so that's really, and, and also, also celebrating other artists, artistic ways. So for example, on all of our semi-permanent boxes, it's all street art. If people, if you look closely, it's on a brick wall. Mm-hmm. It looks like street art. That's a, a form of art artistry, you know, Huge. and then on faction eight, it's tattoo work, Yes, you know, done by our tattoo artists that, yeah. did, you know, all of our work. I mean, that's another form of, of, of artistry. It's like skin is the canvas, yeah. you know, the wall is the canvas, hair is the canvas. It's all these different things that, you know, and just celebrating that. And so, you know, again, starting another trend and all of a sudden you see these other companies changing all the doing packaging. the same thing, respecting the artists. And then all of a sudden everyone's doing it now on yeah. um, from the time you guys thought about that, that Thanksgiving, right. Uh, you know, thought about Pulp Riot to the launch. How long was it? If you can talk about it. Yeah, it was, I would say probably about a year. Wow. A year from like actually formulating, yeah, creating the packaging, um, getting the money yep. <laughs> and then hitting launch three, two on launch. What did that feel like the day you launched? It was exhilarating. Yeah. It was kind of all of these emotions in one because, um, again, it's kind of like, you're excited about it. You know that this is like blood, sweat, and tears, but is everyone else going to receive it the same way? 
you know, scary. Um, and you know, it, it is scary. And, um, I think again, naivety yeah. is a really great thing. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. You know, um, so many things in your life have these, <laughs> these constant themes, like you said in the beginning. Yeah. It's, you know, these big companies knowing like being part of one now, which, yeah. you know, we're so fortunate to be part of L'Oreal, but yeah. being part of it, it's like, now I see like how many things have to get done in order to do something. It's, and so it's interesting thinking like we were so naive and, and such a good way yeah. to be able to create something, do it well, do it right with the right regulations, do like all these different things, get it right, like so many different things. And it was just us. Yeah. And like, you know, and we had hired Tyler mm-hmm. and he was the very first hire and, Thank God for Tyler. Yes, like, yeah. He, Shout out to Turner. Oh my gosh, he <laughs> like thankfully with his own naivety and like yes. <laughs> <laughs> leaving a paid job <laughs> and coming on board with us. But you know, Tyler again, it's just kind of like it's putting somebody in place who had never done this. Yep, and he is is like one of those people who he will figure it out. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. Like mm-hmm. he will figure it out. If you told him, like you need to go give surgery to that person, he's gonna figure it he'll out. Figure it he's out. gonna study his ass of his appearance. <laughs> he is the reason that, like, my wife is the reason the podcast started. I guess she bought me the podcast equipment for Christmas, right? But I was like on the edge about it, and he's like, Brock, just fucking do it. Yes. And that's like my that's like my motto now, and like just fucking do it. Yes. And it's because of Tyler. He's my best friend in the entire world. And I'm so proud of him. And I'm, I'm just, I love hearing this too. He like, honestly, he was able to take the crazy vision yeah. and be able to do all those things. He yeah. was able to like, just getting up and running, getting the website going, yep. getting like the whole, you know, um, point of sale yep. and like all this kind of stuff that it's like, you know, he just was able to figure it out. And because of him, we were able to push launch and go on that day. Exactly. You know, and like we didn't even have offices. We were just working out of, you know, the salon or, you know, we work or something like that. It was so just like, just, it's, you know, <laughs> it's like that. It, it, like if we, if, if we, were, if we could have worked in a garage, we probably would have. Yeah, you know? exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's how Amazon started. Right. Um, but that's, what's so amazing about you guys and to be able to do it. And like you said, a year, right. That's just yeah. insanity. Um, when it launched and you guys started getting the feedback that you did and you saw, you know, just the wave coming, what was that like mentally? Cause that had to be just I mean, you had a lot of wins in your life, but this was like, well, extremely validating, right? I mean, anytime you put your artistic thing out there, it's like, okay, like it's like a little bit of fear when you put it out there. But when you get that kind of a reaction, it's like an overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, like, this is amazing. I can't believe like that everybody is really loving something that we created. I mean, that's an incredible thing. And and not just here in the U S it's like globally, you're like, holy shit. Like 
people in Russia know us, people uh, in Canada know us, like people in, you know, I mean, it's, it's like insane, like all these different countries that we've been to and go to and, and to see the, you know, everything that's happened, it, it's, it blows my mind. Like so many times, like I stop and think about it. I'm like, this is insane. Like yeah. this shouldn't be, but, but it is. And to have that kind of reaction, I mean, from a personal level, you know, obviously like everything is created for me. Like, every product it's like that's it's like giving birth yeah. it's literally from the packaging from the actual product testing it having my stylist test it as well giving me feedback you know creating the artwork working with the artist on creating the packaging going through like so many different things like everything and then finally it's here yeah and it is it's kind of it literally does feel like giving birth yeah um but then you don't have to deal with the crying baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. But you do have the sleepless nights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Um, so you guys launched, you guys just started kicking ass. What was, what was next? I mean, before you guys, you know, everything with L'Oreal, um, how long was that in between? Again, it's a rocket ship. Because yeah. from the time we launched to the time that we sold to L'Oreal, was um so short i mean it was 23 months Gosh. so 23 months it's just a month shy of being two years two years which is insane yeah and you know we had conversations with them even a year before that yeah and it was too soon we had conversations with other people who were interested um, but we just felt like, you know, not the right time, not the right time. Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, when you create something, um, it's, it's hard to make sure that it's going to be in the hands of people who are going to take care of it as well as you, you do. Yeah. And, um, and I think ultimately with L'Oreal, that's why we felt like they were the best fit because they made us promises at the beginning. They made us promises of like, you're still going to run the company. You know, you're still going to do product creation and be charged. That's your vision. Um, you're going to stay in Los Angeles. Everybody that's on your team will stay on your team, like all these different things. Um, and keeping these promises. And so to their credit, they've held up to it. And I think that is the reason why we felt like they were the best fit and, you know, no other, um, I honestly, I feel like no other brand in the beauty industry right now still has the founders running it. Yeah. Like I can't really think of one, um, like since it, like if they've sold it, for example. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so unique to it be is. able to have that. And also I don't know of anybody who's running like a professional beauty company, um, who actually is a hairstylist and owns a salon. Yeah, no, I, and I don't to either. have that perspective. And, and if there is somebody out there, I apologize, uh, yeah, but yeah. It, you know, please, I would love to know, but, um, I, I feel like myself personally is an anomaly. Like there's oh my gosh, like yes. a lot of these companies may have started that way. Um, but for me, it's like to have that perspective of being a stylist, being a salon owner and being able to create products for stylists yes. and understanding like, little nuances, for example, just the smallest thing. Like when you're a busy stylist, you don't want to have to grab a whisk to mix up your permanent color No, because number one, it's another step. Number two, it's another thing you have to wash. Yes. 
And, but if you can just mix it with your tent bowl, like you measure it, you're walking to your client, mixing it in your bowl, yeah. and then you're ready to go by the time you stand over there. I mean, you're shaving off seconds, but in it's a busy huge. salon, it's a big deal. Yes. And yes. so for me, like having that and understanding that and like, you know, I don't want to have to do those extra steps and I'm sure I'm not the only one. Of course. And just little things like that or you know, when creating, you know, a semi-permanent color, it's like, I don't, I, I hate how these, you know, fade in the hair. Like why, why is this color fading to like this weird orange? Like, and you know, and also like when I apply it, you know, why are my thumbs so tired? Like, and yeah. why do I have to do all these extra things? It's like, it should be simpler. And so just, you know, just having that perspective and then also being able to, um, to, like get feedback as well from the stylist at the salon. I mean, it just, it's like, it's so important. That's the magic. I feel like, I feel like that's the magic of being able to have zero degrees of separation between those creating the products and those using it. And so, you know, it's, it's like who else? I mean, it's just kind of a weird thing. Like I am a stylist. I own a salon. I am literally buying my own product from salon center. That's so crazy. That's so (laughs) crazy. That's so crazy. Like, you know, I mean, we have probably one of the very biggest accounts, but yeah. it's just so funny. Like, we are literally buying it and using it in the salon. But so. you, you guys, you guys sold, right? And you had there was all these stipulations. Um, in twenty three months, that all in itself is so crazy. When you guys sold, looking back at that moment. What did that feel like, if you don't mind me asking? It was very bizarre. I was in, uh, both David and I were doing a tour in um, uh, in um, Sweden, Finland, and that whole area of Scandinavia. Nice. And we had three stylists with us. Um, it was Amanda, Harsh, um, Sam Daly, and Casey O'Hara. And we were doing this tour and we were at the very end. And so we couldn't both fly back. And so we decided to divide and conquer. Okay. So David flew back to LA. I stayed on to finish the final tour in Sweden. And we went through the whole process and then it comes down to, okay, the final step is a phone call. And the phone call is David and myself on it. Plus a couple of of people at L'Oreal it's kind of funny because there's a lot of Davids. There's David, my husband, there's David Greenberg, and there's like all these Davids. Yeah. So like all the Davids are on the call. <laughs> and Calling all the Davids. Exactly. So I'm in Sweden. I'm on the call. He's in Los Angeles, New York, and France. And so everybody's on the call, and it's the weirdest thing. So somebody on the other line, she goes, David, David Thurston, <laughs> you know, do you release He's like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I release. Like, he's kind of like, nobody preps you for that moment. Like, what are you supposed to say? Uh, yeah. Um, so then he's like, yeah, I release. Like, meaning I like, relinquish the company. Like, wow. this is the final step. And then David Greenberg's on the other side, and she says, David Greenberg, do you release? And he's like, yes, I release. And so that means, like, okay, now, like, the, it's officially, that's the official handoff. Wow. And then it was like, okay, congratulations, you guys. That's it. Great. Click, 
And I was just like, what? What just happened? <laughs> and David's like, same thing. So I immediately like called his cell and I was like, um, and he's like, yeah, I don't ah! like, It was so like, you're just so speechless because you're like, it's all this thing and yeah. you're going through all this paperwork and so much stuff and everything. And then at the very end, it's like, do you release? Yeah. Do you release? Yeah. Okay. Thanks. It's like the and time that's when you. It. Became a, uh, uh, you know, when, when you went from right. an assistant to a stylist, right? It was just like. But it's kind of, I mean, maybe that's just how, how it's done. I guess it's yeah. that's how it's done, but yeah. it just was such a weird thing. And so, you know, I'm there in Sweden and he's in Los Angeles. And so it's like one of those moments where it's like, the only thing you want to do is be together. Yeah, of course. And you can't. Ah, and, I I, you know, that. just finish off, you know, being in Sweden. And thank God, you know, I had, you know, Casey and Amanda and Sam there. And Casey and Amanda and I, you know, celebrated with drinks. Good. Looking into the Swedish sky. <sighs> um, you know, just saying like, what an, an amazing ride. And it's not over. No, it's not. Like, it's just, it's still going. But what an incredible moment. You guys could have walked away. You guys could have walked away. You could have walked away from the hair. And you could have done whatever you wanted. But you guys decided to stay. And yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, that's I mean, that's really amazing. You know, again, it's kind of one of those things where L'Oreal made promises to us, and we felt like, you know, yeah, like if we're going to have those promises, then we're going to continue on and and continue growing and seeing what we can do with yeah. this company and 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 what we can do for artists. Because again, what we've been able to do is, yes, it's something for for us, but really, Pulp Riot is the artist brand. And so many lives were changed. I mean, artists who helped us build the company yeah. got money yeah. from the cell. And I yes. don't think any other company has done that. No. I mean, like David and I literally were like, you helped build this. Like, I know what you guys you, did for Tyler. Yes. Like, I mean, it's just like, amazing. It's like this, you deserve this. Like yeah. it's, it's kind of, and, and not only that, but just also being able to help people take their lives from ordinary to extraordinary yeah. and like being able to travel. I mean, I just named three stylists who have traveled the world with us and, you know, have been able to earn money by doing that and yes. have experiences they would have never had without it. And, you know, Sam Daly, for example, she has, has been able to open a salon and been able to do all these things and, and, and have this family of stylists that she's now mentoring and cultivating and, because of Pulp Riot and what we were able to do. It's like now she's being able to do these amazing things as well. I mean, Casey, you know, she moved from Smallville, you know, East Coast. Yes. And <laughs> with like one stoplight and, you know, moved out here to Los Angeles, you know, and has become such an integral part of Pulp Riot and Butterfly Loft and being able to, you know, create products and educate and help to mentor other stylists and help to, you know, do things that are incredible. Doug Theo Harris and Stephen yes. Theo Harris, again, two other people that, you know, moved across their whole family across, you know, the States here to Los Angeles to, you know, be part of this vision that we were doing. I mean, you know, it's, it's amazing. like just so many different things. And, and there's so many people that, Again, it's like the people that come into your life that, you know, maybe are smarter than you and better that, than you in certain areas yeah. that help to contribute. But again, none of these people like Stevie Theo Harris, she's the vice president of marketing. She 
is a salon rat. She grew up in her dad's salon, running that salon. She didn't go to school for marketing and all this kind of stuff. I mean, that's not her background, but you know, again, it's just, she was doing cool things and she's another person who can figure it out. And she, you know, has been able to create all these really great things. And now we have a bigger marketing team that she manages because of it. You know, Doug Theo Harris started out sweeping hair for us at butterfly circus shows. And now he's our director of education. You know, it's, it's all of these different things and bringing people into, you know, our, our world that help to, you know, not only bring the vision further, but help to um, protect it and cultivate it and also make sure that um, that it stays true to to the core values. I love that. You, you guys have just, you know, fostered such um, an, an amazing, you know, community and team uh, and culture, uh, unlike anything else, unlike anything else. And it's, you know, it's also great is that it's not all about you, right? It's, it's, it's about, it's about the team. And it's like, now you have this big family of, of, of your own, not only your, you know, your immediate family, but you know, your team, right. And, and everyone that you, you just mentioned and, your whole story just has these, you know, repeating themes ongoing, 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 um, which is, it's just mind blowing, you know? Um, and really as we kind of like start to wrap this up, um, what is, if you can talk about it, what is next for you in the future? Is there anything else that you want to do? That's a great question. Um, you know, I think, you know, especially during COVID, you know, you have this, like you're kind of forced into the situation where you um, have more time to think. Yes. You have more time to think on your own, think about what you want, what you're like, what else you want to do. Because obviously, you know, life doesn't end at age 45, which I am. But, um, <laughs> you know, and just kind of thinking about like, what else do I want for the salon? What else do I want for Pulp Riot? What else do I want for my family? Like all those different things. And the, definitely a lot of introspection. I think um, really probably the biggest thing is, is just giving myself time, um, and time to think. And I don't have it all figured out, but I do know that I enjoy having more time. Um, because again, this has been such a big rocket ship and, um, so grateful, so incredibly grateful for that. Um, but also it's kind of like, giving myself permission to, okay, now I'll just slow down a little bit. I'm just going to breathe a little bit and be able to take a little bit time for myself to reflect on what do I want next? What do I want to create? And, um, I think, you know, I think I'm getting close to it, but I'm not ready to talk about it. No, that's all good. That's all good. You know, right now is the, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot going on in the world and, um, but there with every negative, there's a positive and it does give time for people to reflect more and spend time more, spend more time with family. Um, and just kind of with, with, Everything that you have had, you know, in your past, whatever your future holds, uh, for you personally, I I know it's going to be very special and amazing. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, 
for allowing Daniel and myself uh, to, you know, come here and do this podcast and, um, you know, share you know, share parts of your story. And, um, you've just been such an inspiration to so many people. Um, you, David, uh, it's, it's, it's a real honor and I, and I look forward to the future. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a real treat. I, um, it's been a long time, like trying to get it coordinated. Yeah. So I appreciate your patience on your end as well. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited for the future. I'm always excited and optimistic, optimistic for the future. And I think, um, if anything, you know, uh, I feel like Pulp Riot and, and us and David and I specifically, one of the biggest things that I think for us is pivoting yeah. and being able to pivot. And, um, with this, uh, I feel like so many positive things have come out of it and, um, that we'll just continue to be able to pivot and be able to create amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you again. And, um, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, and keep on pivoting and, you know, so many people, uh, a lot of times you just can't fit, you know, focus on the negative. You have to focus on the positive and you have to push and, and, and life's a struggle sometimes, but if you continue to push and you have that grind, anything's possible. And your story is a true Testament that if you want something bad enough, anything is possible. Very true. I definitely agree with that. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Alexis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. Have a good night, people. Peace out.